Yo, what's good people? It's your boy TSK and welcome to the Hashtag Rooted and Established podcast where we are having conversations with people who are pursuing their goals, leaving behind memorable legacies. I hope that after listening you're inspired, encouraged and motivated to keep making the most out of what you have. Let's get it! Cause if you look inside your heart, you'll find that you're made of love and you see That's why you're so special all right, so we're here with David Jamphy. David is a good friend of mine. Um, go back like all the way to school days. And um, yeah, I thought it would be really good to get him on the pod and get him talking about what it is he does. Um, yeah, so David, just, just introduce yourself to, to people that don't know who you are. What, what, is, what is it that keeps you busy during the week? <laughs> yes, well, first of all, thank you so much for the opportunity to come on this podcast and and speak when I really really appreciate it um yes my name's David um by day profession I'm a secondary school science teacher mm-hmm. um so that's uh anywhere from year seven all the way up to sixth form a level etc mm-hmm. um and I guess during this sort of time of lockdown and quarantine and um, with schools being partially closed I've had a bit more time to you know get into some of my other bags and um, mm. most of which include music so um I try to um put a lot of music together I'm a bass player mm. um I play a little bit of the keyboard here and there so that gives me the chance to produce you know um mainly gospel music but also different types of music too yeah. um and I've also recently put my two loves together, my, my job and my passion, and I've started teaching bass guitar recently, actually, online. Okay. Um, so that, along with, you know, some PlayStation here and there is probably <laughs> what keeps me, busy, keeps me busy. I hear that, I hear that. And so, like, how long have you been playing bass for then? Um, I've been playing the bass for... Do you know what? This is funny, actually. Anytime people ask me this question, I mm. say I've been playing the bass for 10 years or so since I was 13. Yeah. But like two weeks ago, um, and if you go on my WhatsApp DP, you'll see this picture. Two weeks ago, yeah. um, an old pastor of mine sent me a picture of me holding the bass guitar in church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in the picture, I'm definitely like nine or 10, which <laughs> means that my story is a lie. Yeah. And that picture kind of unlocked some memories I didn't even know I had. Like, I didn't know I'd even touched the bass at that age. So, Bro, um, you couldn't remember? Yeah. I just couldn't remember because in my head, I started off um, learning how to play the acoustic guitar around the age of nine, yeah? Okay. And I thought I played that for about a year and then mm. stopped. And then when I got to secondary school, one of my music teachers there kind of um, encouraged me to start up again. Mm. And then someone else joined my church who knew how to play bass and he started teaching me some stuff. Mm. Um, but seeing that old picture just made me realise I actually started playing the bass around age 10. But that I didn't. I, would, I wasn't. I wasn't doing it for that long, though. So I think that's why it must have just escaped my memory. Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah, I mean? yeah. Yeah. No, so, that's cool, man. That's it. Either way, I've been playing a long time. Yeah, Let's just yeah, put yeah. it like that. Yeah. Okay, cool. So you said you're a teacher now. Um, what is yes. it? Did you teach again? Sorry. So uh, I teach science in yeah. in my current school. We we don't have uh, biology, chemistry, physics. Just all science teachers. Just okay. teach science, and yeah. Um, so we are the biology, chemistry, physics teacher, all into one. Mm. And so, tell us a bit about your sort of academic background. Like, where did you go to school? Um, what did uh, you study? 
Did you go to uni? Yeah, so um, this is, this is um, for those of you listening, this is, for those of you listening, this is even how um, myself and Tendon know each other. So we went to the same school. Mm. Um, uh, it's a it's an independent school in South Croydon. Um, and it was, I was very privileged to be able to go there. I think um, where I kind of grew up, you wouldn't really expect to see people like myself there. Um, kind of going home and going to school were like two completely different worlds to me. Mm. Um, sort of grew up on a inner city London estate mm. and then used to get on the bus for like an hour, hour, 20 minutes, hour, half sometimes, depending mm. on traffic, just to make it to my school where they had like... We had a zoo inside <laughs> the school, like, yeah, like, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was very privileged to go to such a school. Um, I mean, it came with its challenges as well. Mm. Uh, a lot of those challenges have kind of been highlighted recently with um, with the whole Black Lives Matter movement as well. Yeah, of um, course. You know, we experienced a lot going to sort of, not only was it a predominantly white school, but it was a very upper class school as well. So yeah. you've got classism and racism kind mm, of mm. Um, playing an effect there. Mm. Um, but, you know, after that, I then uh, went to the University of Nottingham to study biochemistry and biological chemistry. Wait, um, so what did you study before, whilst you were at um, secondary school? Uh, secondary school. Um, so pretty much... You know, the normal stuff, GCSE. Um, funny enough, I didn't do GCSE music, actually, which a lot of people don't oh, know. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, I didn't actually do GCSE music. Um, Were you sometimes as I, passionate for music that. back then as you are now? Uh, yes and no. Probably, do you know, we had to pick our options in, like, year nine, right? Or year mm. eight or something. And yeah. at the time, I really loved BT and product design and making stuff. Okay. And... Because I did, so so my school was kind of weird in the sense that um, they put you down for different things and the certain subjects you couldn't do if you picked this subject. Like, yeah, you know yeah, how yeah. it works with the blocks and yeah, stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, because I was on a, a Spanish-speaking program, which my school called the bilingual program, what that entailed was us doing an extra Spanish qualification in year 11 um, other than our GCSEs. Yeah. Because I was in that, the extra classes that I had to take for that meant that I couldn't pick an extra option. So mm. I had to pick between music and BT. Mm. And in my head, I was like, I can do music and stuff at lunchtime and at church, but that I can't sense. really do DT anywhere else. I, I hear that. So, be- so because of that, I picked DT. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And I, I enjoyed that subject a lot. Mm. So... Um, and then, yeah, in sixth form, I did uh, basically an alternative to A-levels called the International Baccalaureate, mm. um, or the IB for short. It's basically the same thing as A-levels, except you just do two um, extra subjects. Mm. Um, and in during that is when I did economics for the first time. Yeah. I carried on Spanish. Um, I did biology and chemistry too, and then maths and English. Cool. And so what made you want to choose to do, to study IB as opposed to doing A-levels, which I guess is what most um, people do in sixth form Um, or college? I think it's two main reasons. At at first, around the age of like 16, I didn't really know what I wanted to do in life. Um, Mm. At the time, I thought I wanted to go into medicine, Mm. but then I wasn't sure. Mm. So doing the IB and having more subjects to do kind of gave me the... um, I, I felt like it gave me a wider sort of opportunity and wider choice because if I picked four A-levels, mm. 
and then decided I wanted to go down a completely different route. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I had like not much choice to do because I've already picked those A levels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then when I actually think about the reason I did it, I won't lie to you, bro. It was all propaganda. <laughs> Our school sold that thing like it was the best thing since sliced bread. Honestly, like... I, I even want to touch on that like later on, but <laughs> I'm just trying to get people to understand what your journey is, at least your education one anyway so far. Yeah, like they sold that. They, they would have made you feel, yeah, like, <laughs> oh, if you do A-levels, you'll be nothing in life. Oh, even though most people in our days. school did A-levels because in oh, the end, my, my year group had about, I think maybe 220 people it was a big year group. Mm. Only 35 of us did the IB. Mm. Everybody else, the like 90% of the rest of the people in sixth form did A levels, and then you had about 10, 15% that were doing like B Tech Sport and stuff. Mm, mm, so mm. You know I, I really, I want to go there now. Listen, so <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna wait. I was gonna wait till later on in the podcast to get to this part of the conversation. But since we're here, let's just let's just park here in it. But I hear that like because. So you teach in a state school now, don't you? Yeah. Um, and yeah, obviously having gone through like the private school system as a student and now you teaching as a state school teacher, what would you say like are the main differences, like the pros and cons of, of teaching in a private school or private school versus state school? Like what would you say the main differences are? I'll be so honest, money. <laughs> okay, yeah. Money. And and when, when I say that, what I mean is that I think a lot of the lack of opportunities, you know, mm. the kids have in the state schools, it's not that there aren't teachers there that, that want to do these things or want to do these extra activities, but there's just a lack of, of um, investment into it. Um, mm. I'll give you a, a perfect example. So mm. in, my, in my current school, um, because the school wasn't doing so well three or four years ago, they got a new head teacher in that kind of just um, did a complete overhaul of the system. Mm. So he kind of scrapped all these extracurricular activities. We didn't do any music. There was no more music lessons. Oh, wow. At first, there was no more drama lessons, like all of that kind of stuff. And they were just, there was a big push on maths, English, and science, right? Because the grades weren't there, the behavior was poor. So they said, we're just going to strip it right back, start again. Mm. Now, that's all well and good, but what that means is in that three, four year gap, you've got kids in your school who are probably so, so talented mm, mm. and have never been given, they've been robbed now of that opportunity to try singing or mm, mm. to um, play netball or mm. to do this or to do that. And because of that, you could have missed out on like Great Britain's next star or, yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Um, think about the amount of people we know just from within our own circle mm. who um have represented their country at a national level mm. or are playing at festivals or are doing all of these things mm. and if you look at where they came from they wouldn't have had that opportunity if they had not gone to a school like our school like mm. a quick gift school let's just be completely transparent yeah. and honest yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and it's not that in these state schools the teachers don't want to do this but um i, I then took it upon myself this year to start a gospel choir in my school Oh, um, but because of, you know, the way the school systems are, it meant that I had to do this session after school. Mm. Now, our school day finishes late at 4.30. So you've got kids that are now having to stay from 4.30 to 5.30 and mm. um, just to do this. All the resources that went into it was just stuff I brought in myself. I brought in my own laptop. 
mm -hmm. I found the old keyboard lying around and I worked out how to connect it to my laptop, connect mm -hmm. it to some speakers, get mm -hmm. some backing tracks and all the kind of stuff I do, <clears throat> excuse me, all the kind of stuff I do in church and, you know, when I'm preparing for shows and stuff, I just brought that to the school. Mm -hmm. Now, really and truly, I should have been compensated for that. But, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. there's no money. So, of course, I'm just doing it out of, I want to do this. Mm -hmm. um, Whereas in all of the private schools, I mean, you have to think, like, I don't want to, like, name drop certain guys, but like, someone like Mr. Barfield used to coach yeah. rugby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These guys would get a little bit of extra bread in their pocket for mm. doing that. Come mm. on, let's be mm. real. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. some of these teachers had no business coaching rugby or coaching some mm. of the sports they were doing. Mm. Yeah, yeah, some of them were doing it for fun. Mm. But some of them, and, and in teaching, they call it a, t, a TLR. Yeah, so yeah. extra teaching and learning responsibility. Mm. And... Um, at the end of the day, people have good hearts, everyone does, but it's all about money. And you have to remember that in a school like that, parents are pouring money into their kids and into the school. So they expect that, you know, mm -hmm. they're getting their money's worth. Um, yeah. And I think, yeah, it, it just robs a lot of, of children of some of the opportunities that they'll never get to experience elsewhere. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's a deep, like, as in, like, it, it goes very, very deep. Um, and with like the point you mentioned about like propaganda behind you deciding to choose IB versus like A levels, um, like I even have like a in terms of my like own academic journey, which is I could probably do like a whole nother podcast episode on myself. <laughs> um, but so, so I guess to add a bit of context, like when I was at Whitgift, I had to retake year 12, um, and I was initially studying A levels. Um, and to be honest, so even just prior to that as well, like with my GCSEs, so like I ended up getting eight GCSEs, um, and I ended up doing by like national standards, like quite well, but I remember after getting my results, like compared to, I guess the rest of my peers and stuff, it was like, I did okay. Like I got six, eight, yeah. two Bs, which when yeah. I, look, when I look back, like I'm, I'm very happy with that, but by like sort of wit gifts or private school standards, it was like. It was okay and i have that exact same dilemma um gcse's i got four a stars six a's mm, like mm. now really i can see that i smashed those gcse's and i'm yeah. very proud of them but yeah. at the time it meant that i couldn't apply to certain universities to do medicine which i wanted to do at the time and mm. um, there were also guys and i was very guilty of um i think i've grown a lot as a person i think the school environment we were in made me super competitive and a little bit bitter in the sense that um, just being completely transparent. Mm. There were some people who got better results than me that I was confident that I'm cleverer than this guy. Like, mm -hmm. I'm better than this guy in class. Yeah. But that was the kind of environment that was sort of encouraged at school and nurtured by teachers. Mm. Um, an encouragement of, like, you just want to kind of be the best, kind of dog-eat-dog. Dog. And yeah. it's, a, it's a little bit worrying, but... Um, rather than me being kind of happy for some of the um, other sort of guys at the school who did really, really well, who maybe did better than expected, mm. um, you know, I found myself comparing. And even some of them, they were said to have done better than expected. But now as a teacher, when I look back at it, mm. there were certain, especially some of the black boys, some of them that were actually really clever, but were mm. just labelled a certain type of way or a certain type of academic mm. simply because of the color of their skin mm. now that i think about it mm. and maybe because they decided that they didn't want to assimilate as much mm. um 
because for all of us there was a big aspect of us having to assimilate to what was expected of us or trying to speak a certain way or speak mm. the way that is deemed acceptable at the school in order to kind of be seen highly mm. and there's some black boys who just didn't want to he just refused to do that yeah. and yeah because of that all of a sudden now maybe they aren't deemed to be as clever or whatever and that's not really true mm. and i can you know after this i can sit here and name names of a lot of the people in my year group that probably were fell foul to that but mm. are doing really really well now because mm. when they got out into the real world their credentials is what people are taking yeah, yeah. exactly yeah yeah no so like yeah because so obviously i yeah ended up doing a levels didn't really end up doing so like by wikif standards you needed um three c's to move from year 12 to year 13 end up getting like ccde or something which isn't great um but after that i ended up doing btech and obviously that comes with like that came sorry with its own stigma within um the i guess the environment that we were in at school um i ended up going to uni um at loughborough but then like i ended up getting kicked out of my second year so now i'm studying at the university of east london and i'm doing social work and i remember initially going into study at the um at the university of east london and i had this bit of um i don't know if it was pride or bitterness or that i kind of felt like based on like where i'd come from um in terms of studying at whitgift and being in that sort of private school bubble um now to studying at a uni like the university of east london which isn't renowned um for its academic um like prowess in terms of the institution itself so like i remember going in and thinking oh like if i was at whitgift and I was applying to study this course at this uni. Like, I know I would have been frowned upon. Um, mm. But then I remember... It, it, it would have got bantered. Honestly, It actually would have got bantered. Hard, bantered, very hard. And as much as I love the course that I'm doing, um, initially, it was that thing of, like, oh, like, I should be doing better than this. Um, and it did affect, like, how I was approaching my studies, obviously. But then, recently, so, like, within my closest friends at school, um, four of them went on to study at Oxford and two of them three of them have graduated now and i was talking to one of them the other day and i was just asking him like oh like how does it feel to you know graduate from like the large like the one of the best institutions in the world like academic institutions in the world and he was like yeah it's great but um like so he did chemistry and i guess his his concern was more like what can he do with that and he was saying when he looks at me studying social work it's like that's such a rewarding like career to go down and obviously we had a mm -hmm. conversation in depth about it but it kind of made me think about how i guess all that um that had been poured into me throughout like private school had kind of affected i guess my approach to studies and i guess like what i want to pursue in life like why i want to pursue certain things is it because um i want the credentials that come with it or am i actually trying to do something that's meaningful for those around me and yeah i guess like my question to you then would be do you think private school prepares you for life um differently than state school and if if so like what do you think those differences are um wow that's a big question um i think yeah and i think the short answer would be that um private school and state school are in completely different classes 
and mm. um, in the UK and in the UK classism has been a big problem mm. and has been one of the major sort of themes for years mm. um, what private school prepares you for is living if, if if you are an elitist like if you come from a family of elitists where you both mum and dad went to Oxbridge mm. your uncle went to Oxbridge this other auntie is a dentist the mm. other uncle probably owns Sainsbury's or something like mm. then private school prepares you well <laughs> to carry on living a life like that but it's the truth like that's yeah. what private school you know prepares no, you for no, it for prepares real. you for for being a diplomat if you decide you want to study law i remember when i was a prefect and i had to take around like the ambassador of venezuela like, like what like that's <laughs> that what is unheard of like, private school prepares you for but what private sure. school doesn't prepare you for is when you go to that job interview and you don't get that job or when yes. you're in a situation where yes. you have to deal with a client yes. um, and that client may be, um, let's say they speak English, but their English is a bit broken and, you know, you have to try and communicate them with them in a way that maybe isn't that articulate because you need them to get your point. Mm. Or you have a client that is um, a bit frustrated and like any kinds of scenarios you can imagine. Private mm. school doesn't prepare you for that. Mm. But that's why I feel like um, people like myself and yourself, we were blessed to be in an environment where we kind of got the best of both worlds. Yeah. Like I didn't go to a state school, but the majority of my friends outside of school did. Mm-hmm. Um, both of my brothers in my family, they didn't go to private school. I was the only one. Um, mm. How did you How did you find that as um, the brother? Like, Where do you sit out, out of your brothers? Are you the youngest, oldest? I'm middle child, so I got one older brother um, who's about how old is he now? Uh, 26, gonna be 27 really soon. And then my younger brother's 19, he just finished first year of uni. And did you going to private school, did that have any impact on like the relational dynamics between you and your brothers? Nah, it didn't, you know. Mm. You would think it did. Mm. A lot of people always ask me that, but it really didn't. Um, mm. I think as well because my my, my older brother's school he went to Harris Crystal Palace before it became all of this Academy Harris and all of that kind of stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. and they were like historically the best state school in the country so mm-hmm. in terms of education I never thought like I had a one-up on him or anything mm. um my little brother as well his school was um in central London very so we went to school in completely different environments right. yeah, completely yeah. different contexts yeah. completely different areas we mm. traveled different ways to get to school we never crossed paths like mm. but you know, I don't really think it affected anything. I mean, outside of school, we had the same like level of tutoring and stuff like yeah. all the way through our lives. Yeah. Um, I think that's something my mum definitely, um, definitely, definitely wanted for us. Mm. Um, I think the only difference is, is like I, I got to play sports like hockey and yeah. Um, <laughs> I remember you I got to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously, I wasn't as good as you and some <laughs> other guys, but you know, I, I had you know a little V drag here nah, and there, like, left I right. I, I, I could, I, I could bang that, but um, you know, also the trips as well. I think um, yeah, I was yeah, blessed yeah. to be able to go on so many different like Spanish exchanges and all of that kind of stuff. And yeah. I think maybe that's the only thing that's affected because I feel like my little brother anyway he's someone maybe he hasn't um 
traveled as much as maybe I have. And the only reason I got to do all of that traveling was for school. Mm. Um, I remember in sixth form, we even went to Poland on a trip for IB. Like, mm, mm. like which black person is ever going to Poland? Trust like, me. just off their own volition. Like, back, like. <laughs> so um, I'd say that's the only effect. But in general, mm. nah, not really. Um, mm. Our relationship is still all really, really cool. We're all really, really close. So. Mm. So if you, if you, well, one day when you hopefully have your own children, would you want to put them through private school as well? Um, ah, this is also another tricky question. I think if I had sons mm. um, and I was still living in South London or in and around South London, mm. I would send them to, to Whitgift, but... Okay. That would purely be based on the fact that I went there and I yeah. know the benefits that come with, you know, the whole alumni and, yes, oh, yeah, your dad yeah. went to this school. And it, yeah, I feel like yeah. my son would be favoured in ways that could not completely counteract the racism that he might experience there, but mm. could reduce that impact a little mm. bit, yeah, you know? Yeah. I think teachers might be less likely to... Uh, judge this person based on the color of their skin simply mm. because they know them and it, it sounds really bad and i know unfortunately not everybody will have that opportunity but um purely based on that i mean to yeah. look at the academic side of things there are so many state schools now that you know are on par with a lot of these schools mm. um academically that I, I don't think that is a barometer anymore but yeah, um, yeah. what still is a barometer is all the extra opportunities yeah definitely um, like which school can you go to and get to go on a free wakeboarding trip? Like, I never went on those, but mm, they were there mm, and they were mm, available to us. Mm. Like what, what is even wakeboarding? Is that like surfing or, or <laughs> I, something? I like... remember joining Whitgift in year six and in, I think, maybe the second week, we were on a trip to Italy for the whole week, Lake Garda. And I was just there like, what? Like, is this, is this, what, is this what school is going to be like? We're just, just free trips everywhere. Well, not free trips, but these sort of opportunities, like, they don't come by easily yeah i remember late god i think i did that trip as well in year in year six mm. yeah yeah no it's mad so as a teacher oh mad i don't know if you can hear me yeah i still got you. okay no as a teacher um do you think that going to university is something that all students should strive for hmm um, as a teacher, I've come to realise I genuinely don't believe university is for everyone. Mm. And it sounds like a crazy statement to make. I feel like mm. when my mum eventually listens to this, she's going to scream and say, oh my gosh, how can you say that? <laughs> but, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, some of the students I teach, I think they have such great potential that, you know, because they don't do well in certain academics, it almost puts them down. Mm. And they don't realise that they have such great entrepreneurial skills that they can mm. maybe do an apprenticeship and still go into what they want to do and still do this. And mm. I mean, I think the world's changing around us. And mm. we, we thought that university was the only option. Mm. Mm. But um, I genuinely don't think it has to be. I mean, I used to be someone who believed that, but the, the more I teach, the more I realise that there are many other avenues that people can have. And um, yeah. some people, for example, might be like the general manager of um, a retail store, mm. 
and they love their job they love serving people yeah they love it so much and mm. there's nothing wrong with that i don't know why society oh. kind of makes us feel like everybody has to be a billionaire or everybody has to own a business or everybody has to strive to be a doctor it doesn't like life doesn't work that way there are some people who are genuinely genuinely happy with what it is they want to do and uh, even you know the first podcast that you know you released i think Mm. your dad spoke about it where Mm. he switched professions because he wanted to not just like he was at the top in Mm. his profession he didn't Mm. feel like he needed to necessarily stay there so Mm. um I mean, yeah, I think that, the world's slowly changing. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's, it's that reason, literally, like, why, you know, I've got this podcast here, just to remind people that, like, yeah, yeah, you don't have to be doing something in the limelight for everyone to see, for you to be successful. Like, if you enjoy, if it's serving people in retail, yeah, and do that to the best of your ability, and, you know, make the most out of that, do you know what I'm saying? 100%. Yeah. So, we, we've touched on a lot, um... What would you say motivates you to teach then, I guess, off the back of everything that we said? Like, yeah, what, mm. what motivates you to, to teach? Um, well, I think to answer that, I'd kind of have to talk about my, my motivation for, for, for going into teaching in the first place. Okay, go on. Um, and I think that stemmed from my own education experience. I mean, mm. in my whole time at secondary school, I mean, you can attest to this. We didn't have a single black teacher, like not one, not one. Um, The only black members of staff that were in the school were cleaners, Mm. um, some of the catering staff. Mm. And, you you know, one might ask and think, oh, why does that matter? Well, what it does is as a a child, when you're very impressionable at that age, Mm. it, it paints the image subconsciously that in these spaces, Mm. your people don't belong Mm. especially when there aren't many of us in our year group Mm. in the first place as well Mm. um when our year group would um the black boys in our year group would be the majority of those that are getting in trouble even though there's not many of them Mm. we'd be constantly told to split up and like we we suffered so many different microaggressions there and the fact that we didn't have a black teacher yeah i then went to university on my course um, the first thing I did as soon as I got into that room, the first like welcome lecture with everyone from the school that's there mm. in uh, the school of biochemistry that I was in, mm. I looked around and again, I can count on one hand the amount of black faces that I could see. Mm. Um, and I just used to think, well, why? Like, yeah. why wasn't there any black teachers? Why wasn't there? And then I got to my, my final year. Um, still hadn't really decided what I wanted to do when I left uni mm. and a friend of mine told me that you know they're applying to be a teacher and mm. um, via one of the teacher training courses and um, I kind of thought you know I've been doing a lot of complaining about there's no black people in science there's no yeah. black teachers here there's no black I was like why isn't there and then mm. I realized it's because you know a lot of black people that can go into that stuff are deciding not to so mm. I'm just mm. going to decide to do it so it was kind of on a whim. I was just like, yeah, 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 I think, why not be that voice? Why not be that person? And then one thing led to another. And all of a sudden, I'm two years into my my teaching career now. No, man, I love it. I absolutely love it. I love everything that, that you're about. And yeah, I guess just your, your desire to like be that role model for those um, that are younger than you. I think that's, I feel like that's where 
your heart lies with, with everything that you've been saying. Um, it's kind of stemmed from like your own frustrations and through experiences like in school. So uh, I, I love the fact that you're trying to give back and yeah, contribute where you can, man. It's amazing, for real. Wow, thank you, bro. Definitely, I think that's the, the main uh, the main kind of reasoning behind it. And um, also like, I mean, I studied science at university. Like I mm. do love the subject. So mm. when you're in a classroom, it's I think there's no better feeling than if a student is confused about something and just you not even telling them the answer and just waiting for them, watching mm. them work something out and mm. watching that light bulb kind of go off in their head. Mm. Like, there's no better feeling than, wow, yeah, you've just really helped someone to understand that yeah. really difficult topic and they get it now. Yeah. No, that's, that's amazing, man. I'm, I'm mad inspired. I can't even lie. I'm mad inspired. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. So I guess my, my last question for you then is, um, what advice would you give to a parent who's deciding where to send their child to school? Mm, I would say that the first thing you need to do is actually visit the school if you can. Mm. Um, try and get a vibe for, you know, how the teachers are and what they say and how they speak to you. Because um, at the end of the day, I feel like most most people most people that are teachers go into teaching for the right reasons yeah and eventually the the struggles of the profession because the profession is not easy and there's there's so much admin and so much red tape around things that you know can lead people to become disillusioned and that's when you find you know bad teachers that make bad decisions and yeah. um, so on and so forth so speaking to the teachers directly asking them specific questions mm. not even just about teaching but about them and yeah. their life just seeing how they interact with your your children asking your children as well um mm. about how that teachers interacted with them mm. i think is is the best thing you can do because at the end of the day schools can have a reputation but it's the teachers that make that school like the teachers are the school well the kids yeah. and the teachers make the school yeah um so i think that and i think um Another very practical thing is um, you can always tell a good school or a really top school mm. by how many languages they offer and what their results are with those languages. Because a lot okay. of the time, mod that's, that's modern foreign languages, a lot of the time that's a subject that gets pushed to the side. You know, mm. when it's time for extra intervention, mm. the kids get taken out of French, taken out of Spanish, they get mm. taken out of music, mm. taken out of drama mm. to go and do that extra one-on-one -on -one with their maths teacher. Whereas if a school was really patterned, then they wouldn't need to do any of that because yeah, yeah. that school, a school that is a top school, mm. understands that um, having these music lessons, having these language skills and language lessons, not only is it very important and it should it be a priority, mm. but they also offer so many transferable skills. Mm. Um, I didn't even put that I speak Spanish properly on my application, but if you know how many times I've had to use Spanish whilst being a teacher, Okay. Um, certain parents that don't even speak or whatever um, speak English, but yeah. you know. Um, so I think yeah, languages and the arts. Like, is that a priority in the school? And if it is, then I think that's a green flag. If it's not, then it's a bit of a red flag. And if mm. I was a parent, I would question why isn't this a priority in your school? Like, mm. why do you not feel that it's important for the children to have a well-rounded education? Because mm. a well-rounded education isn't being amazing at maths, English, and science. Mm. Because mm. not everyone's going to be mathematicians, um, readers, and um, writers, or mm. scientists. Mm. And that's not everybody's bag. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. 
Wow. <laughs> yeah, we're done still. Nah, that was. Nah, thank you for coming on, man. That was. Oh, uh, it was a pleasure, man. Thank you for having me, man.